Alright, dope. Got it. Cool. Alright. Yeah, so how's you have you been? How's your week? I've been good, Ben. Ben <laughs> You said that you were writing on Friday. I did say How did that. it go? It didn't go. I was no! swamped. It <laughs> no! was terrible. I, I was go- I came into work with the belief that I was just going to very basically a part of my job is putting together like web pages for us. Like I, I do a fair amount of that. Um, and I thought I was just going to set up this web page, get, get the videos loaded in with the HTML code and just not just, you know, it would take me maybe three hours at the beginning of the day to set up to, would be fine. I go in and find that all of the videos I have edited for this page, all 40 something no, of them. I don't like where this is going. Are completely out of sync. The audio and the video does not match up. So I am in the midst uh, of like, I I had to use old placeholder versions of the videos that I found because we still had to get something on the website for the day and begin re-editing everything for the web page so that it would... Not like this for you. I do not like this for you at all. I didn't like it for me either. I thought I was going to be done by noon essentially and then just write unless someone emailed me. Like, But nope, wasn't happening wasn't happening so i i'm pushing it to uh tuesday it looks like i should be able to actually get some stuff done so we we, this entire next like basically now that this is out of the way my work schedule goes from like being at a 10 all the time to basically being at a five until christmas so like yeah like it's there's just way less that i'm gonna have to do at work like the october is the big month and we're fully out of that now so hopefully you know i can get back on this so check in with me next time and i will give you good news uh, i i wait your good news sir you yeah me one unit of good news yeah i do I, I i i know you're you're doing a shame shake of your head and i i feel it i feel the shame <laughs> like I, you told I, me to you told yeah, me to. <laughs> yeah exactly no and, and i'm feeling it and it sucks and i i don't like it either for multiple reasons but like yeah um so this week this week will be better. Uh, I, I will. I, I, I'm rooting for myself. I, I, I'm, I'm rooting for us. <laughs> but how about you? How have uh, you been in reading and writing? Uh, writing's okay. I'm just trying to get into that weekend lifestyle, that consistent mm-hmm. re- weekend writer lifestyle, regardless yeah. of if I get to it during my, my busy work life. Yeah. Um, getting there, maybe, slowly. It'll be mm-hmm. fine. Um, mm-hmm. And then <laughs> I am like really good at bullshitting and making it sound like I've written more than I have. So like okay. I'm trying to stop doing that. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to just like mm. Yeah, I I am very good at <laughs> like I have just enough academic knowledge to mm-hmm. make it sound like it's a smart reason that I haven't written for written enough yet. Yeah. Um rather than just like not trying. Yeah. Um so it's going. It's going okay. Um and I've been reading I want to mm. big shout out as I've been trying to be on social media a little bit less. I'm more yeah. reliant on things like library staff recommendations. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. So I picked up this book that I had heard about this author about author about, and I might make us, this might be what I choose for us to talk about during my next mm-hmm. session. Mm-hmm. Um, it's oh, yeah. the death of the death. I don't know how to pronounce these words, but the death of Vivek Oji by a quick game. Um, okay. And I had like heard about this author author before she did, uh, Freshwater, which was published by Grey Wolf, that like mm-hmm. I heard a lot about, but never actually picked up. And yeah, yeah, this might be what we talk about next session. Awesome! Uh, I'm stoked for it. Hell yeah, that sounds great. 
Yeah. 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 <laughs> So yeah. shout out to librarians for staff recommendations. Yeah. Shout out to librarians in general. Like big ups to the librarians because they're they're doing they're doing good work out there every day. They're, big they're ups only... to librarians. Yeah, they're the only ones that cared about Donald August, and they're the we we had their you, attention. You know, <laughs> I don't know if we talked about this on this podcast, but yeah. yeah. So Ben and I made a fiction podcast at the beginning of the pandemic. We were both like looking for jobs, out of work. Um, mm. And I had a voice actor friend who had an actor actor sister. So we co-wrote a fiction podcast. You can look it up. It's titled Donald August versus the Land of Flowers. And um, yeah, I like was trying so hard to push it on social media and everything. And the only place that really gave us a lot of attention was um, the the local library that we set yeah. part of the story at. Yeah. And I'm not certain if the librarians finished listening to all five episodes before yeah. they agreed to air it because in episode yeah. four we destroy yeah, the local the, the, library where the, the library is destroyed <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is a it is destroyed in episode four and yeah. um i made a joke about that during the like hour-long like how to make a podcast little cute thing that we did with them yeah and the librarian's face over the google meet was mm-hmm. like Looked a little more confused than I expected her to look. <laughs> <You know? laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. So, you know, we'll hopefully, you know, it wasn't gleefully destroyed if they did get to that episode. They know it was a moment. Of, uh, the, their library was destroyed so that our character could grow. Um, exactly. That was in exactly. service of our of our own designs. But yeah. Yeah. We, we love a local library. We love yeah. a local library. Yeah. Don't, I'm sorry that we destroyed one in a fictional world. <laughs> yeah. Don't destroy them in the real world. Open more. Um, <laughs> that, that is what needs exactly. to be happening. Yeah. So welcome to the Good Writing Podcast. I'm Ben. Oh, yeah. Hi, Ben. I'm Emily. Um, Hi, Emily. I got to figure out how to introduce ourselves or I'm not introducing myself to you. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know me. You, you can introduce yourself to me every episode. We, we could make hey. that into a running gag. Like you're, <laughs> you know. Hey, Ben, my name's Emily. It's nice to meet you. <laughs> exactly. It's very, uh, we could like say that you have memory loss of some sorts. It's a 51st dates <laughs> sort of scenario, but it's 51st podcasts. Um, 51st podcast. I'm for it. Episode yeah. 51. We'll, we'll find out a new bit. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so I do you want to just get into it? Let's get into it, my man. Um, Oh yeah. Tell it. Tell us about it. This is this is a Ben week. So Ben, I I, I, tell us tell us what we're doing here. This was my pick. Um, I picked an excerpt from the novella Minna Needs Rehearsal Space by um, I'm not sure if it's pronounced Dorte or Dorthe Nors. She is Dutch, so I, I believe. Um, the, I think that is correct, so I'm not sure if it's Dorte Norris or Dorothy Nor, or it might just be Dorothy, honestly, I'm not sure, but, yeah. One of those That's is correct. That's that I do not know. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and my, my deepest apologies to, uh, Nor- Miss Norris, Mrs. Norris, I'm not sure what, if she's married or not. I know nothing about this woman, not very much, um, except that she's written a really cool book. Um, a few really cool books. Um, hey, that's plenty of info for me. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Minna Needs Rehearsal Space is a short novella. Um, it, it's basically, it, you know, it's not even 100 pages long. Um, it's written in an entirely minimalist style, as you probably saw. Um, every There aren't paragraphs. There are only single sentences and then a line break. Something, And occasionally a paragraph, a, a sentence might be 
fall onto the second line, but very, very rarely. And usually only if someone else is being quoted in that moment does she allow that to happen. And all um, all of the sentences in the book are written in kind of the same format with um, the subject being the very first word or very first set of words in the sentence via like a pronoun phrase. Uh, um, then followed by the... Um, like the um, verb phrase after that. Every single one is like X did blank, X was blank, you know, X went to blank, um, X felt blank. Um, and we can, I chose a section just kind of at random from it because I wanted to focus uh, for this episode on how she utilizes third person. <laughs> Yes, like, so we kind of have this like uh, this um, third-person perspective. Um, it's a close third because it follows one character the entire time. It follows the titular Minna um, in this um, with these shortened sentences. And I, I wanted to talk about how that third person is utilized and the way that that creates that um, Norse uses this to create um, a distance from uh her characters like the the reader feels like they're observing from the outside these events as they occur it doesn't feel like you're happening they're happening with you um even though a lot of it is in um the present tense um and, and i want to kind of talk about the way that um this is also used to create a very humorous effect that that kind of cold distance that i think could be used to create something that feels kind of emotionless and like fraught is instead used here to uh, make something that's very funny and, and joyous, and the and the whole book is like this. Like you know, it, it's it, it's definitely serious at turns, but it's um, much more interested in being kind of like witty and funny and having these um, sentences act almost aphoristically um, as observations of the world ra rather than um, serious considerations of it. Like Sweet. yeah, yeah. Um, I have to say, I'm kind of surprised that this is. I'm not surprised because I'm, I'm not gatekeeping what a novel is or whatever, but, like, mm. this visually looks like a poem. Like, I yeah. just want to make sure... Like, I know you've said it's short lines, like, really one line, one sentence per line. It visually 100% looks like a poem, mm -hmm. not like a novel paragraph. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it's really fascinating how much of a difference that makes on uh, the reading flow, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's incredibly quick. Like, yeah. in, which is which is almost very unlike a poem also. Like, it looks like a poem, but it does not read like one because, like, lots of poetry requires you to sit there and kind of, like, contend with the line and reread it and consider, whereas this it really encourages you to go from one sentence to the next really quickly because they're, they're these factual statements. Like, each one is just telling you something directly that your brain can understand and then, you know, take that in and then move to the next line. Like, yeah. yeah. Sweet. It's it's cool. Like it, it's very interesting. So before we get into the nitty gritty on it, I guess I'll give a brief overview of kind of what happens in the scene that I chose. Um, the the scene uh, is from uh, pages thirty four to thirty seven in the book, and it concerns. Uh, it's the first introduction of Minna's uh, sister. Essentially, we we get our first characterization sister. of Elizabeth. Yeah, like okay. who, who is Minna's sense. sister? Yeah. <laughs> Um, and kind of you get a brief look into what their relationship is like, but more than anything, you learn about who this sister is and kind of how controlling she can be. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, that that's kind of like the character movement that comes through. And just the overall uh, plot of this novel is uh, Minna is a composer. 
Um, she is trying to, I believe, it's been a minute since I've read the entire thing, but I believe that she has either lost her rehearsal space or been kicked out of it, um, and she can no longer return to the rehearsal space she was previously using, and the, as the title suggests, uh, this is her looking for a place where she can go to uh, play her instruments and um, compose the piece that she has been commissioned to compose, and, and that's kind of like the deadline in the novel that they're fighting toward, that she's fighting towards. Um, okay, cool. and, and throughout it's just, it, it kind of, she kind of tells the story of her family and her relationship with various people around her. And, and it's a story of self-acceptance and like, that's clearly the thing that is preventing her from being able to write, uh, write the sonata. It's not because she cannot, uh, it, it's not because she doesn't have rehearsal space. It's because she has these emotional blocks that she learns to let go of through the course of the novel. Um, okay. and, and it's, Yeah. Cool. And that's the general overview. But we get this introduction of this sister. And I chose the scene just because I think it's very funny. Uh, I think it extracts nicely. Um, you know, I am you, nodding you, aggressively. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, we get to see this character. But, yeah, so before we get into direct craft discussion, uh, do you have any thoughts on what you read that you just want to share off the bat? Anything that you are in want to bring yeah, up okay, yourself? Yeah, okay, one question, yeah. one thought. Yeah. Question. So in this section, it's like, the premise is Minna is going on a bike ride and her sister's mm-hmm. like texting her, blowing up her phone while Minna's trying to be on this bike ride. Yes. Um, Minna goes to like the Royal Library, it says, and it mm-hmm. also mentions that it's, and then it's like Minna's on the Royal Library, she's getting a bunch of texts, and then it's like Minna reflecting on Elizabeth, Elizabeth's husband, what their mm-hmm. house is like. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, it's like Elizabeth, sorry, Minna is biking past various landmarks. Mm-hmm. And her sister is, like, demanding that she calls her. And then yeah. Minna puts the phone down. Yes. Um, do any of these landmarks matter? Like, I don't know the geography of... I think this um, is the Netherlands very well. Yeah. I, I don't think... They don't matter very much. Um, I think if you know what they are, it adds visual flavor to the scene. Like, if you lived in the city and you knew what the stock exchange looked like, like, it would give you an image uh, of, like, what's going on there. But the only landmark that matters is in a later part of the book, there's a statue that she goes back to over and over again, but the statue gets described. Anything that's okay. just kind of, like, thrown away is just geographical. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So it's geographical, and maybe if I knew this, I could be like, wow, that's downtown where it's hard to bike, but it's not, like, meaningfully. I'm not yeah. missing too much. Not yeah, it. no, no. Okay, cool. Um, okay, so this is, like, not the craft element that you wanted to talk about, but mm-hmm. I just loved the descriptions of receiving text messages that you don't want to be receiving right oh, now. Oh, yeah, right? Like, <laughs> I've been doing more and more communications for work, and so I, like, am finding myself enjoying texting friends less. Mm-hmm. And so when, a, like, when somebody is texting me and, like, trying to have a long conversation via text, I'm sometimes, like, I felt, uh, there were some sections here that I, I, I was relating to. Um, so can I read a couple of points yeah, that please. I thought were just hilarious? Yeah. Um, so the opening first section, the, uh, this is when Minna is just like biking. Mm-hmm. The city, city is blazing hot from the sun. The cell's blazing hot from messages. Elizabeth is after her. Like, <laughs> I so just really enjoyed this premise, like that introduction of like, God, why do I have to be texting right now? I'm trying to bike somewhere. I'm trying to do a thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I can, yeah, really add in even more relations to Minna in this situation where she's like, has a deadline, is having trouble procrastinating. Like, oh, oh my God, yeah. 100% related there. Um, mm. And then later, like, 
it, another like just this is totally what being in a text conversation you don't want to be in is like um, mm-hmm. men is biking this is on page 36 mm-hmm. men is biking she's getting honked at she bikes out into the intersection by the stock exchange elizabeth pursues her like just about the text messages like, I, so related to minna's relationship with her phone in this section mm-hmm. um just like uh and and it's interesting i i, I felt like these those two things that i read out loud kind of like cap are in caps to like a really sympathetic and ref, and thoughtful mm-hmm. relatively sympathetic very thoughtful um, reflection on what her sister is Elizabeth is like but it's encapped mm-hmm. by like feeling like pursued and pressured by a volume of text which yeah is yeah. great I really liked that yeah exactly it, 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 because for that very reason like you know you ever do the thing when you get all those text messages do you ever just throw your phone like yeah, uh, like on a yeah. couch like in a safe yeah, exactly, just away space. yeah like <laughs> it, it's such a moment like that clearly where it, it is just that like i i do not want to be a part of this right now i'm just trying to do this other fucking thing i don't care like yeah 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 which is you know in the right in the right setting i would totally I'm sure Mina too would be totally down for a real conversation mm-hmm. with her sister, but like she's trying mm-hmm. to bike somewhere. Like the timing yeah. is so bad. I just, I don't know. I've been thinking more about how the expectation that people will text you back immediately is really based on, we have the technology to make that possible. And yeah. in the olden times, like it was so easy to not engage in a conversation until you wanted to. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, even if you were sending a letter, it might take it five days to arrive at least, and that's if you're close to each other. Like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I've I've just been, I think that was a really, that that was insightful for me about communication expectations. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 100%. Oh, man. So, on on this also, um, when we're we're looking at this, uh, and we would kind of just bring it back to just like the way that it's written, if that's okay with you. Like, if you want to go into yeah. that a little bit further, yeah. Let's do um, it. Yeah, I, I want to go back onto that third person um, and, and just kind of like talk about how that uh, characterizes um, Elizabeth in these moments, also, um, and, and the switch from from that. Because I think you bring up a great point to um, go into that. Also, you have the Elizabeth pursues her line, which is both an action that's like occurring within the. Um, text itself like that's what's happening within the plot of the story but also that gives such great characterization to elizabeth herself at the same time like mm-hmm. because we know that in this it, when she is sending a text she's like in pursuit of that response that you're talking about like that she mm-hmm. is asking she she is expectant of it like it's not just sending a text it, it is that pursual pursual and then we get the two great lines after that i think um elizabeth was an only child for 10 years elizabeth's still an only child like that i i think <laughs> yeah it, exactly yeah it, it gives so much to this um to this character um through just these simple factual statements that um cre- that are somewhat distant from their um the act of their being spoken is distant from the subject they're speaking about i think is i think the way that i want to describe that wait uh, okay let me let me Tell me more about that. I want to make sure I'm following you. Yeah, I, I want to make sure I also mean what I'm saying, too. Um, yeah, so um, uh, 
basically what I'm trying to say was when we have a phrase like Elizabeth was an only child for 10 years, that's just a factual statement. That's just like creating a fact and stating something as it is in the world. Um, but I think that that works really well to reveal and then following it by the statement, Elizabeth's still an only child. Those two take on the same formal quality of just being a factual statement. And they're stated in that same way, which is um, creating this the distance that stating a fact occurs. Like, it's neutral. Mm -hmm. It's presented neutrally. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, we have something that is, an, that is a fact, like Elizabeth was an only child for 10 years, and then Elizabeth's still an only child, which is an emotional observation of Elizabeth. Um, and, oh, and, God, that's so good. Yeah. And it's mm -hmm. stated in the same authoritative way. Yeah. I honestly wasn't so, so it's a close set, close third right so we're mm -hmm. inside mm -hmm. mina's head we're getting every mina everything we're getting from her perspective her insights yeah exactly and it's like reading this out of context not really understanding that we're in a close third always in mina's perspective mm -hmm. i was just like mm, those are two contradictory fit like that second one yeah that's yeah if... it was it made it really easy to forget that this was mina's opinion yeah, exactly. Like everything and everything in the book gets that treatment. Everything is stated as just fact, you know, whether or not it is that like it is couched in Minna's perspective or not. So mm -hmm. like we we end up getting this very it, it feels like a recountance of events. But because it's like filtered through her personality, the character's personality, it, it becomes this kind of like very wry, like, you know, dry, humorous uh, way of looking at the world. But it is a. But to the reader, it can just be seen as, like, as a clear, you know, one-to-one -one observation of what's occurring. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and I just think that that's, uh, I, I think that this, that Norris does just a really, really good job of using the uh, act of perspective as a way of delivering, um, uh, using perspective as a formal choice. I, I think mm. it, it would maybe be the way to describe that. And... and I think a really good takeaway from this, like, if we're trying to think about this in craft terms of, like, what people might want to look to this book for, is that attention that everything in a book, everything that we write is on some level formal, whether or not we are intentionally utilizing its form or not. Um, mm -hmm. And so being able to lean on that form and the fact that we are using a set of codices and rules in the form of writing... Uh, to create what we create, um, being able to lean on that knowledge that it is formal to in order to enhance the way that something is written or to enhance like how, what a reader can get from something and or how they can approach it. Like, yeah. Shoot, Ben. I love this. Okay, so... The... So, so taking those two lines as an example, line mm -hmm. one, Elizabeth was an only child for 10 years. Line two, Elizabeth is still an only child. Mm -hmm. um, where that first one feels authoritative and the second one is like obviously an opinion of Minna and mm -hmm. then to have it in the same form and it contrasts the form of the previous line is makes it funnier. Right? Yes. Um, yeah. So what can, can you help? I think a little bit for me, but also for our listener. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> what would it look like if, if she wasn't taking advantage of form? Like what? Mm hmm. Yeah, what what would a less maybe less successful less less formally interesting version of this look like? Yeah, 
I, I think the less formally interesting version of this is the one that, of course, breaks the shape, uh, bra breaks it into just doing full paragraphs. And then as a result of that, you lose that ideas are just presented one at a time and suddenly ideas are clustered together. Um, mm. and, and their relationships are made more obvious instead of their relationships kind of existing between the lines. Uh, so I think a version of this, like if we were to write it out, would be something like, you know, Minnow um, kind of like focusing on like her memories of Elizabeth and just being like, oh, you know, Elizabeth was, was an only child for 10 years before I was born. So when I was born, it changed everything for her. But she never let go of what it was to be an only child that still is with her to the, like this kind of thing where it's just instead of it just being stated as the like facts of the case attempting to draw the connections between those facts that exist within a person's brain, like putting those on the page mm -hmm. instead of just the like end results of those connections. And this, we only get the nodes here. We don't get the web that connects the nodes, even though it's still there. Like, yeah, yeah. this is very poetry. Like, like this yeah. reminds me literally last week with the Patricia Lockwood thing. I was like, Patricia Lockwood mm -hmm. is saying you figure it out who's speaking or who's projecting onto this, what the baby is saying. Right. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And here you're saying it's like, why you like this so much is because it isn't drawn out for you. You have to like be the one to figure out, Oh, mm -hmm. now we're switching into more opinionated meta narration yeah. rather than just fact based. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Figure it out. is is working so well for you. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I figure it out is the best. I think that's the best thing you can ask a reader to do is just trust that they're intelligent enough to do it on their own. Like mm -hmm. that, because then the reader feels smart when they read, like they feel like they're engaging with the book and understanding it rather than just having it told to them. Like that's, I, I think that's one of the best things that writers do when they, you know, then they just trust the reader. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But also I think it's, yeah. Because I have done things in unsuccessful attempts at mm. writing of mine where I think that I'm trusting the reader, but I'm genuinely not giving them enough information to know what the heck is going on here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. And this is a really good example of like the right balance of how much guidance and you need to give, but still give them yeah. a way to, to make, draw their own conclusions and see some of the connections for themselves. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think what helps with that is that in this long, this piece is a little longer form. And it's, you come to know Minna's voice, like you begin to understand her voice. So like, it's through having that consistent character voice too, that just allows this thing to stand at all, I think. Like, it, without, without that at its core, you know, we're not going to be able to see the web behind the thoughts if the character voice isn't consistent. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's really what it draws down to. But it's so hard, like you're saying, to get that like that balance correct. Like, because I know I've suffered from the same thing too. Like, it's really difficult because people are just like, "Oh, I have no idea what this is," and it's just like, "Oh, I thought I had hidden it," and it's like, "No, you just didn't. You didn't hide it. It's not here." Like, yeah, yeah, you didn't hide it. It's not. It like you literally. It's not here. What am I yeah. looking for? And then my something else that I find deeply frustrating as a reader and I think it comes up in workshops of earlier drafts a lot more often than with published work mm -hmm. is when it's like you're not I think there's a real big difference between like letting the reader draw some conclusions and trusting the reader and being mysterious mm -hmm. for the sake of being mysterious mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I find mm -hmm. there's nothing I find more frustrating in a draft than when I feel like the writer's just trying to sound mysterious for the sake of trying to sound mysterious yeah yeah no 100 percent. because you need a good reason to do that if you if you're going to sound mysterious there has to be a mystery 
Like, <laughs> it, it, it's that, like, it, if it's absent, like, and I, I'm super guilty of that. I, I know that that's, like, a problem, in, especially in my early draft. It, it is, like, just... Because a lot of the time it comes, I think, in those early drafts from writing, at least in my experience, not knowing the answers myself. Like, they're just there being things that yes. just, like, we. it's like, yeah, you know, like, that does just feel... Like, I am just being mysterious to be mysterious there because I don't know what the answer to the question I'm posing is yet. Like, so it's... It, yes. It's, yeah. Yes. Like, yes, same. Yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. it's, like, I'm being mysterious. Sometimes I, I find myself, like, wow, I'm, I, I'm trying to sound like I'm being mysterious here because I know I want an intriguing moment here but obviously mm-hmm. just like if i don't know what the intrigue should be it's not gonna be a good successful moment exactly like it's bit it's the weird like writing equivalent of just like putting a placeholder in there and just being like insert something cool here later like yeah 100 <laughs> percent. this but it sounds smart um yeah guilty Oh, one hundred percent guilty too. Like one hundred percent. Like yeah. <laughs> oh man, because it's hard. It, it's really hard. Like you know, it, it's it's really difficult to get that balance right. And I, I think Norris does just a great job of getting that balance correct. Um, because she has confidence in the in things like her characters like she understands who the character is so it's easier for her to i don't want to say easier like i don't think this was an easy book to write by any means i think this was a hard book to write most likely and that's part of the reason why it's probably so short um but it i think that it she has an easier time with letting us find conclusions for things because of the stuff that she's confident in and where she knows all of her answers are. Like, she she knows all the answers that matter to the character, so she doesn't have mm-hmm. to... So when she wants to leave things up to the reader, she doesn't need to worry about that because she knows what what's being left up. Yeah. Yeah, she yeah. just really obviously understands this character very deeply and how this character thinks. Like yeah. Not just what this character's situation is, not just what they want, but, like how do they approach the world? What is their worldview? And how does that, yeah. Yeah. It's clearly really well developed. Yeah. And and once again, I want to say that we're talking very seriously about this. There, there is a diarrhea joke that goes on for like seven lines in this section. Like, yeah. (laughs) Just like, part of the diarrhea joke, like, okay, so this diarrhea joke is pretty good. It's, it's Elizabeth's husband um, like, Elizabeth says no one's allowed to drink coffee in their house. Elizabeth's husband gets diarrhea from tea, which is what Elizabeth says everyone has to drink. Mm-hmm. And also, Elizabeth has weird rules about everyone has to take their shoes off, but mm-hmm. their main bathroom is, like, through a utility closet. Yeah. And so you have to, like, walk through the icky utility closet without your shoes on. <laughs> And when you take your shoes off, you're not allowed to touch, to lean on the walls or to sit on the little bench. <laughs> you you have to do it without leaning on anything. And then I just love the contrast here of like the husband is like he has the shits, right? And he, in order to have the shits immediately once he gets home, he has to take his, sh- he can't touch, he doesn't want his clean hands to get the walls grimy, but then <laughs> he has the shit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like just the contrast 
of that level of cleanliness and worry about grime and um, having the shits in a utility closet is good. It's really good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just like, like the the image of this man trying not to mess up the house, but may just shit his pants in the process of trying to do that. <laughs> like is yeah, and, it's very and funny. Elizabeth yeah. shouts, "Is that you, honey? The shits, the shit runs and runs. The optician, the husband." <laughs> considers whether he dares to shit anymore. Elizabeth shouts, is that you who came home, honey? Like, he's not sure if he dares to shit anymore when he has diarrhea. Yeah. This poor man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they definitely do a great job of making Elizabeth seem uh, terrifying. Like, uh, a horrifying control freak, yeah. And like, I don't know. I always think with, like, this kind of control, controlling house like mm-hmm. spouse character mm-hmm. i always think in addition to like yeah they are probably a bit of an she's obviously a need freak you know like I'm yeah not refuting that but i also think like my dude you live in this house and you mm-hmm. are afraid of having the shits in it like something's wrong with you yeah. if you've let this situation go yeah. about like this like yeah. <laughs> this is on the on the husband as well yeah no it, everybody's got the issue you're 100 percent correct yeah like <laughs> <laughs> my dude you need to be able to have diarrhea in your own home yeah <laughs> no exactly you doesn't dare to shit anymore it definitely comes to mind as well like <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. It, and just the, those little lines that characterize elizabeth also the, this is much more surface level on just stuff that i think is good in this piece just like um you know we, we have this great uh moment you know elizabeth's hair is fair like minna's but elizabeth's hair doesn't dare curl like Elizabeth <laughs> is illuminated. Elizabeth is an act of will. Like it yes. just <laughs> so good. She kind of sounds like the Terminator. Like based on some of this stuff. Like yeah. <laughs> right, and I like am glad now. Like looking back at this, knowing that the whole novel is in Mena's head. Because I was mm. like, damn, this this author is writing a kind of like over the top character, but like. For the younger sister to see her older sister that way, like, mm-hmm. 100% believable. Mm-hmm. Like, whether, I, I, like, like this more knowing that it doesn't matter if it's literal. It's definitely Mena's perception of her older sister. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I just really liked that. Hell yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's it's great. It, it's a really fun book. It, it's really nice and sweet. And, and uh, it deals with some, like, heavier themes as well, like... Uh, with, with Minna definitely, like, having this kind of crisis throughout the novel it, it is something that gets addressed a lot, and she's reflecting on memories of, of, of her father throughout it. Um, and it just, it, it leads to some really, like, it being through her perspective allows her to explore these kind of ribald, funny moments, but also to explore, like, kind of the depth of the woman and, and show who she is and, and the problems she's facing and how she overcomes them. It's, it's really good. I, I highly recommend reading it. Like I said, it's like 90 pages. It's all these like little lines. You can read it in a day very easily. So Sweet. anyone out there interested, check out Men Needs Rehearsal Space on um, Pushkin Press. Yeah. Question about... I think. Um, yeah. yeah, basically the reading pace. Yeah. So I'm all... F- like, something I like to think about as a writer a lot is varying my mm-hmm. sentence lengths. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I wonder if you can talk more about, like, does the short sentences, like, every line is either a short sentence, almost every line is a short sentence. There are some mm-hmm. lines where it's, like, um, 
uh, set up like one thing is certain colon is a line. Mm-hmm. Um, I think mm-hmm. that would be a that could be an, that's an independent clause that could be a sentence on its own, but she chose to do it as a colon. Um, yeah, I'm just wondering if you can talk more like how why doesn't this this at least the section that you sent me mm-hmm. flows really well, mm-hmm. read really fast. Um, mm-hmm. Why doesn't the lack of sentence length variety? Uh, here like that uh, normally that would very much feel monotonous and make it hard to get myself to keep reading so so why mm-hmm. isn't that what's happening here um, I think that in large part has to do with the semi-poetic structure um, with mm-hmm. the um, line breaks because every time you hit a line break like you're kind of given room to breathe um, it, mm-hmm. it can give you space to slow down or speed up should you so choose to um, and definitely in later sections that there'll be those short little like one word lines that happen that I think are usually very indicative of telling someone to bre- breathe and slow down. Like if you see that and then empty space, you know, then you go down to the next line. Like it, it just, it, I think it kind of gives that room for it a little bit more. And, and I think utilizing that, um, the line breaks in that way uh, allows her to kind of falsify sentence length almost Mm. like it kind of becomes a trick like while the sentences don't vary greatly in length because they all most of them sit on one line if not only peek over a little bit onto a second line Mm -hmm. um by uh, by using white space on the page it, it allows the line to sometimes falsely extend off of it um and also allows her to create spacing in the same way that like a paragraph break does at, at the end of a paragraph essentially where you can find that certain groupings of lines would be a paragraph if that was what she was doing um mm-hmm. and, and they kind of fit together in that way and that allows you to read those more as a cluster and, and then stop and then move on to the next cluster which may vary in length itself like it, it's it, it's interesting it's kind of a trick i think like and you know, and the other, because it does speed up and slow down as the book goes, even though it, if it is relatively quick throughout, it's not completely on the same pace the entire time, I wouldn't say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, slight detour. Have you been watching mm-hmm. Ted Lasso on Apple TV at all? I've seen the first episode, I think. Maybe the first two. Okay. Not much, yeah. So, in season two, there's this character who, like, Roy Kent, who's, like, a soccer player, who we've never mm-hmm. seen read before. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, trying to develop hobbies. Um, mm-hmm. And he's reading uh, that Dan Brown book. What is it called? Um, da Vinci Code? The Da Vinci Code. Yeah, he's reading yeah. The Da Vinci Code. Okay. And he he's, like, having the time of his fucking life reading this <laughs> book. Like, he's just, like, constantly, like, announcing how good this book is. And he, at one point, and again, he's not, a, like, we've never seen him read before. Like, he's not mm-hmm. a huge literary reader or whatever. Mm-hmm. And at one point, I just <laughs> love, he announces at one point, like, you can't stop reading because the chapters are so slow, you so short. You want to you want to do the next one. <laughs> the, the reward of finishing a chapter is real, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I feel like this um, poetic structure for a novel where it's so much such so, such short lines, so much blank space. Mm-hmm. It's a little. It's microdosing that reward. Like right. every single line. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Like it yeah. is just that dopamine hit, especially because they're all so compact and self contained. They are all in that structure of like the factual statement. Like, yeah. Like, I yeah. think you're 100% correct. Yeah. Oh, you're so right. Yeah. I'm, I'm all yeah. for it. 
I'm really into Emily, it. Emily, are it's, we good at this? Good. Are we good at reading? I think are, we're good at we, reading. <laughs> do we read books yeah. for pleasure and at one point we thought for profession? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, 100%. Like, like, it is just that kind of reward structure of finding that, like, uh, the complete set of information very quickly over and over again. Yeah, like, I, I completely agree. But yeah. That's that's really all I have on this. I, I think that it's just a great read. Uh, her other novel that I've read by her, Shoulder Mirror Signal, which is about a woman learning to drive, is also very good and funny. I recommend that as well. Um, and I'm excited to read more from her, honestly, because she's, she's working now. I think she has four books, I want to say. That might not be right, but it's not many. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, wait. I do have a question since you mentioned that she was Dutch. Yes. Um, was this originally written in English? Was it translated... Do you think the structure and the contained sentences, like, if it was not originally in English, like, is this a Dutch thing? Or did she, like, kind of innovate this in Dutch and then it just got translated to English for us? Um, it is translated. Um, it, it was originally written in Dutch and, and was translated by uh, Misha Hoekstra, which I should have said at the top uh, because they, she had a difficult job to do as any translator does. Um, but I, right. I believe... Shout out to translators. Yeah. 100% not, shout not out appreciated enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it was translated. I believe that the form was originally in Dutch, and then they just, they kept the form when it was translated into English. Like, yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. This is, I don't think I've read very much anything in Dutch. Yeah. yeah or anything translated either, from Dutch. Besides this, yeah. Okay. I, I, I think I'd be surprised if I if we discovered that every Dutch writer was doing this though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very <laughs> probably much her so. thing. <laughs> let, let me just check if another uh, if this person if they are Dutch. I'm not sure. No, she's Croatian. Okay, never mind. Another author I'd read at the same time, uh, similar time, but mm. yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. This is uh, that that is what I have and. Yeah, if there's anything else you wish to say besides a question about being Dutch, I I think we can... Uh, question. Yeah. What, what, uh, if you had to develop an exercise out of this in order to, mm. to steal some craft techniques from, from Dorothy Norris here, what, what exercise mm. would you say? Um, I would say a good exercise would be like a, to try to reproduce this almost, um, would be to maybe take a kind of nonfiction approach to it and use your own perspective and then use that kind of similar, you know, subject at the beginning of the sentence followed by the, um, verb phrase, like form, just steal her form outright and then describe someone, you know, using that, like so using mm-hmm. like the, um, the fact of um, try to describe them by just stating everything as fact, but mixing in actual facts about them and then your opinion about them and how the, but stating them in the same way, I, I think. Like learning to treat your sentences flatly in that manner. Like, yeah. Yeah, I think that's really, I think there's two exercises here. Like one is the formal expert exercise of like, can you take something that could be in a prose paragraph for- format and mm. turn it into a poetry-looking mm. s- sentence per line? And then mm-hmm. I think this this other, like, mixing in facts and perspective is just a really good voice experiment. Like, yeah. really good voice exercise of, like, have someone who is extremely opinionated mix mm-hmm. in 
real facts and their opinion stated as facts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. She's got a lot going on here. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. She's 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 a really cool writer. Um, she's she's very very fun and funny. Like while simultaneously being really smart and sharp in her writing. Like yeah, it, so it's, it's it a then. good combo. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Well done. Good choice. I liked this. Yeah. All right. Um, what's uh something you're you've been into this week? Uh, Other than writing, I, not something related to I've been into that is not writing this week. Um, I am going to recommend. Uh, I'm going to say a shout-out to uh, Spider-God, the one-man black metal um, act Spider-God out of, um, based out of the UK. Uh, Really cool stuff, um, really interesting kind of like medieval-tinged guitar work. Uh, He bases a lot of his songwriting off of the films of Ingmar Bergman. Um, I, I think I can pretty decidedly say that he is not a Nazi, so it's safe to listen to him. Uh, that's a problem in black metal sometimes. It sucks. I but heard yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I can pretty firmly say that that's the case based on who he's been working with and who is where some of his interests are. But like, if that ends up not being the case, I will addend this to uh, say do not listen to Spider God. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure it's safe. But yeah, definitely check him out. If you like metal at all, I think he's just a really great act. Um, And once again, uh, there's a lot of fun in his music. It's not quite so serious as a lot of metal gets or tries to be so serious as metal, especially black metal gets. So it kind of has the feeling of like um, sort of Lord of the Rings battle scenes are kind of mixed in there a little bit with um, a kind of like more like... uh, a more gothic tone on top of that like it's it's neat so that that's my recommendation what, what about you sweet cool um it's weird that there's so many nazis in, yeah. in black metal it's, it's it's really dumb history that the genre has it, it comes out of the um the what it's not even first wave black metal it's not even like the original black metal musicians are caught up in that it's all second wave which is where everyone takes all their inspiration from which is what sucks about it like yeah yeah it's the it's these asshole scandinavians from the 90s the fuckers like burzum and vard virkins and that dipshit and his whole crew like they're bad people who created music that's not that great and then, like, get worshipped for it forever. Like, and so Nazis think that they... It, it be, it's weird how black metal becomes a safe space for Nazis. And, like, mm. they, they would hate that I fucking said that, that I would dare call anything a safe space because they're still on that kick about how those are bad, even though no one said that in a college in, like, ten years. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, been, like, at least six to ten years. Like. Nobody talks about safe spaces but Nazis anymore. Um, and, <laughs> and it's because they want them and, and love having them. Like, it, yeah, exactly. Like, mm. the... And it weirdly does that. So, you know, you got to be careful who you listen to in the genre. Like, make sure to do your research. But, uh, I hate this for you. I hate this for us. Um, my wreck this week is a fancy fountain pen. My girlfriend, my, mm. I, I like really love writing with fountain pens. Um, it's just something I enjoy doing. And mm-hmm. I keep, like, just they, they're always exploding. Like, not exploding yeah. on me, but I'm always trying to refill them, and my hands are, like, it's... usually stained with ink if I'm actually yeah. in a good writing kick. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just got me a new fountain pen, and I'm really excited about it. And I just, like, like, I think it's good and fun to have a little ritual. 
Like, mm-hmm. is it mostly in my head that a good fountain pen is what is going to make me write something really good? Absolutely. It is mostly mm. in my head that a fountain mm. pen would make the thing. But I just like a ritual. And this is a nice yeah. one for me. That is nice. Can I see the fountain pen? Oh, yeah. Look at her. Ooh. Ooh, that's slick, though. Like, slick it, as it's... heck. It's brass. Ooh, that's cool for the, for the that, listener. That's it... pretty sexy. And then, like, uh, mm. it expands Ooh. to a normal size like this, like relatively Ooh. normal. But um, when it is capped, it's really small, and it kind of makes me think of a bullet vibrator, but I still love it. It it looks a little bit like a bullet vibrator in that it is a very sleek, uh, ergonomic design. It basically just looks like a little metal metal cylinder. It's it's dope. I I, I love it. Yeah. Businesswoman going on a trip needing a a good time at a hotel after meetings. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta do something. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> can't blame can't blame yeah no, so my, my recommendation is uh let people be nice to you and do your little ritual that makes you happy oh i love that yes everyone should do that awesome <laughs> um great podcast ben yeah great thanks everybody oh, wait uh okay mm-hmm. wait if you if you want to yeah. if it, you mm-hmm. dear re- listener reader um mm-hmm. shit fuck uh. <laughs> <laughs> if you dear shit fuck wait shit fuck <laughs> 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 anyway if you want to uh get in touch with us you can email us at goodwritingpodcast at gmail.com um if you would like if you have any opinions on anything we've read we'd love to hear them um mm-hmm. if you record a voice memo we will add the audio of your voice and like if you email us an, an, oh. an attachment to audio we yeah. can consider adding that um but you better be succinct because ben and i are wordy enough that we are already drawing these episodes out to like an hour <laughs> yeah we were like this will be a 20 minute podcast it is not <laughs> we genuinely like yeah like 15 to 30 yeah <laughs> we just like what we talk about it's nice yeah, it's fun it's a good time <laughs> it's been nice yeah but yeah, yeah thanks for listening everybody shoot us thanks, an email goodwritingpodcast at gmail.com awesome bye bye